1: the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever so turn up your Walkman Loosen that scrunchie and get ready to talk 80s with your host, Lindsay Parker. Hi, I'm Lindsay Parker from Yahoo Entertainment and Sirius XM Volume, and this is Totally 80s. Before we start, just a reminder to follow us at Totally 80s on Facebook and Instagram. Plus, make sure you bookmark WeAreTotally80s.com for tons of news stories and content about our favorite decade. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to give us a rating and a review. We'll love you for it. And now, speaking of love... I am here <laughs> to talk about my queen, Madonna, and joining me is the king of the 80s, John Hughes. No, not that John Hughes. I wish I was. I, I'm just going to pretend you are. All right, let's
0: just pretend I'm that John Hughes. You
1: have possibly no disrespect mm-hmm. to the other John Hughes who has left us, but maybe more 80s knowledge than even him.
0: Uh, well, good. I'm glad to hear you say that. It's I, on par. I've, I've often been told that if you crack my skull open, <laughs> I bleed neon. <laughs> So that
1: sounds like a good song by the way, title.
0: By the way, no one's
1: ever told me that. I'm gonna, uh, you know what? You got to own your own narrative. Okay, good. Speaking of someone who owned their own narrative from the jump, from the get go. The queen of pop? She is the queen. I, I don't even know, Don, if I can impress upon you how much Madonna meant to me as a young girl growing up. Try. I'm gonna try. Okay. So this is an interesting um, entry point into Madonna because obviously people think of hers, uh, I guess, the. Biggest pop female pop star of all time, the biggest female pop artist of all time. Yep. Even now, she just uh, as the week we are taping this, she just debuted her Madame X tour, mm-hmm. and it's selling out everywhere. And she's still the queen. But I discovered her through a TV show that I'm sure you remember on MTV. It was called IRS the Cutting Edge. Yes. And they showed the Lucky Star video. Yep. Peter Zaremba was the yeah, host, from right? From the Flesh yeah, Tone. Exactly. So the, IRS is the Cutting Edge. They obviously had a lot of artists that were on IRS Records mm-hmm. at the time. But first you place know, I
0: ever saw REM. And mm-hmm. Morrissey was on the cutting
1: edge. The first time I ever saw Terrence Trent Darby, the wow. first time I ever saw Specimen, Ooh. when they did a really awesome and uh, life-changing for me, like, exposé on the Bat Cave Club in London. Like, basically, I looked to this show, which was, it predated 120 minutes. It was
0: Sunday night at like 1130 or 12. Yeah, so I would have to sneak up to watch it.
1: They might have had it on the same night the young ones were on. Yes. But it was like, to me, this was an arbiter of cool, hip, Mm -hmm. underground stuff that the rest of MTV wouldn't necessarily play. This was like curation. This was Mm -hmm. like, here's the cool stuff, kids. So they showed the Madonna video for Lucky Star, which to me fit in. She's wearing black. Yep. It looks like a very low budget video, mm-hmm. and they did a little bio on her that you know that sort of was talking about how she was this scrappy, kind of punk chick who came up in the New York underground and had drummed on the. Breakfast Club, not not the John Hughes directed movie, but yes, the band, The, the Breakfast man. Club. And she came from, I mean, she was punk. She came from punk, mm-hmm. underground roots. Her music was definitely inspired by like Electro. And they talked about, you know, that she played CBGBs and The Mud Club and mm-hmm. Terry and all that. So to me, she did not come across to me as some kind of like manufactured pop tart or fluffy artist at all
0: not at all and what a credible way to be introduced
1: via the cutting edge i often wonder if i'd been introduced to her in a different way um the way most people would be like say top 40 radio or whatever which came later if i would have had a different idea of who she was because this irs thing you know positioned her to me as like she was you know an underground artist.
0: See, I I got exposed a little earlier, probably just that. a little earlier than that. Uh Burning Up. The video for Burning Up was the first video, the MTV, and it was in, like in light rotation and It was in it my
1: was, high rotation. Yeah, oh
0: yeah. And it was like this really edgy video where I, like, you know, this guy who is sorry, obviously gay, <laughs> driving this convertible and, and like running her he, over running her over. Yeah, backwards. like I said, he's a gay. <laughs> And so it's funny because I was like, wow, this is really cool. But you know what sold me? Because this was a, this was back in the day when if you knew it was on Sire Records, it was going to be good.
1: If you knew Seymour Stein and her, yeah. he was Ramones.
0: Right. You knew like wax tracks. You know, it's like if it's if it says Smuckers, it's <laughs> got to be good. You know, if it says Sire, it's got to be good. It's and I, true. Yeah. And I would buy anything that was on Sire or wax tracks. And um, there wasn't an album yet. There was only a 12-inch.
1: Oh, wow. Well, yeah. again, 12-inch right. denotes cool, dance clubs, <laughs> you know, right? I'm Label. first, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And then somebody said, hey, you know, she has another song that's on Top 40 Radio. I'm like, what? And it's everybody.
1: Have you seen the video for that? It looks yes. like it costs 50 cents.
0: 50 cents filmed at the danceateria. There you go. And, and she actually
1: looks pretty tomboyish in that one. She's not in right. um, the Lucky Star, like, peekaboo lingerie right. outfit. She's wearing, like, a Newsies costume.
0: And Sire buried that video. Do you know why? Mm-mm. Do you remember the sleeve for Holiday, the the twelve inch? She's not on it.
1: Did you think she was African American? That was
0: the strategy. That, that was, was the that was the marketing plan. We're gonna take her to black radio first. Interesting. Break her there. Get credibility. Make people think she's African American, and you know, and then Burning Up came out.
1: I didn't think yeah. she was African American because of how I was introduced to her. Yeah. So I remember hearing her on Top Forty radio with right. Holiday and friends of mine finding out that she was black and being surprised. And so I, in another way of kind of classifying her in my young mind as being cool, I had her in a category... Not necessarily vocally, but in a category wise with like Tina Marie, like she's yeah. a soulful, sure, right, white sure. pop singer.
0: Yeah, I think I think you, if you're gonna go with that marketing strategy, you may not want to speed up the vocal so she <laughs> sounds like Minnie Mouse. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is what they did. She did not sing that high.
1: But to go back to her rock or yeah. punk roots, it's like um, I don't know if you ever heard this album that came out in '97, and I don't know if it's in print anymore, but it, clips of it exist on YouTube. It's called Pre. P-R-E dash Madonna, yes. pre-Madonna. Yeah, yeah. So that, I believe- She even, had it killed. She shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a very, anyone who's like, oh, Madonna is, you know, not cool or not talented or or if anyone who thought that she was perhaps some kind of- um,
0: A construct.
1: Yeah, like mm-hmm. a prefab, Svengali-type artist needs to listen to this because there are some things like everybody and- um Burning Up, I believe, is on mm-hmm. there that are like the early demos that really actually sound almost like, I mean, like the Lena Lovage thing kind of sounds like a techno Susie yeah. or the Lena, the Burning Up sounds like Lena Lovage or Susie. Right. There's some like pretty amazing stuff on there and there's some stuff that never came out, but all mm-hmm. of it sounds very lo-fi, obviously, because mm-hmm. they're demos and they are they are like kind of electro songs
0: did she, was she working with Stephen Bray yet at that point do you know
1: she was because I did yeah. read that the, uh, it's from 1980 1981 but Stephen Bray actually is the one who authorized it so okay. he he had some songwriting okay. credit but so this is my entry point into her and this is the thing when I talk about the impression she made is there's been lots of pop stars before and since. And I used to get really incensed when Britney Spears, you know, she's fine. I don't have nothing against Britney. I like some of her songs. But when people like Britney Spears would ever come out and they would say, they would always say, this is the next Madonna. Because that just shows you how big Madonna is that like any new pop girl who came out after 1983 was the next Madonna, the next her. But I was like, no, Britney Spears in no way Maybe now, but, you know, in in her early career, there was nothing about her that made me think she had agency in what she did. And there was no danger. There was no danger. But besides that, she did not seem like her own creation. Right. It did not... Seemed like she was the one, Brittany I'm talking about, who mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to wear a school golf skirt. Right, right. And play up the Lolita image and do this video. She
0: wasn't but, owning it herself.
1: No, yeah. but she was young. She was like 16. We have sure. to remember that like Madonna, by the time she broke, she'd been around from it. She'd been like homeless in New York. She was, um, by pop standards, a bit older. She was like 24, 25. For sure. And she'd lived a lot in her mm-hmm. year. She was not an overnight success story. So... When these other pop girls would come out and I would look at them and I'd be like, OK, their clothes look like look like they were picked out by a stylist. Mm-hmm. Their songs were given to to them and said they were just thrust in the in the booth. And yeah, Madonna maybe didn't write all her songs or didn't write a lot of her hits. But I absolutely believed every step of the way how she was dressed, how she was marketed, mm-hmm. the songs she sang, the way she um, the video she made. That she was completely her own, very authentic, very um, earthy Mm -hmm. uh, creation. And I would say that for every look, you know, she's changed her look and sound a million times. There's like pretty much no one except maybe maybe Bowie that I could point to as someone who's reinvented themselves so many times in a long career and I never that was the thing um, that I liked about her is that I didn't think there was anyone Seymour Stein or whoever that said like put on this this wedding dress go roll on the floor we'll make you a star
0: Yeah, and I think coming from a scrappy Detroit background and having kind of like that the punk ethos, mm-hmm. you know, it was reflected in her look because if her look was about, so amazing, it's so iconic. <laughs> so and good. It's, it's kind of funny you look at it now. Oh, it's so eighties. But I'm telling you. You know, little gay John, fifteen years old in Cleveland, Ohio, had jelly bracelets all up and down both wrists, wearing multiple swatch watches mm-hmm. at the same time because I was a big of fan of the
1: excessive jewelry. Exactly.
0: Thing. And I wasn't alone. You know, it was weird to see you know me walking down the hall because I was the one out of maybe three new wave kids, as they call us, or the punkers. But it was um, a totally different head. It was totally, totally different head, Johnny Slash. And um it was it was very inspirational, and I thought "Burning Up" was just such a fucking jam, and I was shocked it wasn't a hit. It's actually my favorite Madonna song. Yeah. do you know who directed and, that video? Uh, is that uh, Stephen Steve Barron? Yes. he went on
1: to direct some videos that a lot more people saw. He very famously directed "Billy Jean." He directed "Take on Me" by Aha. Mm-hmm. He directed "Money for Nothing." Mm-hmm. He directed "Money for Nothing" and "Take on Me" and the by Aha and "Money for Nothing" by Dire Straits in the same friggin year. <laughs> like he's, but it's funny because I've interviewed him about all those videos I just mentioned, and, and when he and he also. I should say he directed um uh Don't You Want Me by the Human League. Yep. amp music by, and he was a major 80s thing. Yep. He disavows that video. He's not Why? proud. Because he just thinks it looks cheap. But I'm like, that's what makes it cool.
0: Because the casting of the guy it and the looks cheap.
1: <laughs> he didn't mention that. No, he just didn't think aesthetically it was his best work. Of, of course, clearly. he went on to direct much bigger budget yeah. videos, but I liked the scrappy aesthetic. I do want to say related to everything we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound like shade so I want to preface okay. it that it is not because Madonna is my queen in life. I'm not going to say she can't do no wrong. She's done some wrong. She's done albums and had career phases I wasn't as on board with but I, I, no matter even when she, you know, I'm loyal to Madonna. I love her. Noted. Okay. This is the thing, you know, her, one of her career peaks was the Blonde amb- Ambition tour yes. which actually was kind of the cusp of the 80s. It was like 89, 90. The word ambition I think is very important. We mm. talked about Steven uh, Seymour Stein. It's famously noted that she got him to sign her record deal when he was like in the hospital. Yeah. They had been talking and uh, he had a hard time. I don't remember exactly, mm-hmm. but he was in the hospital right. and like she wasn't sure how sick he was. So she like went to visit him and was like, sign this before you die. Yep. Give me my record deal. She was always very ambitious. She was very strategic and she, okay, this is the part that I said, I, it's going to sound like shade. I don't want to. She wasn't the best singer out there. There mm-hmm. were there were women, female artists who, and male who could sing better than her. She was a good dancer. I'd actually say that's one of her biggest talents. Not the greatest dancer, though. She didn't dance like Janet Jackson or Michael mm-hmm. Jackson. She was very pretty, but she looked... You know, there were probably prettier girls than her, girls who looked more like models or in the early days had fit or bo- thinner bodies. But none. the thing was, she just was like, if you've ever seen the American Bandstand, yeah. early episode... Where Dick Clark says to her, like, what are you going to do? And she said, "I, you know, what's your plan? What's your next move? And she said, I'm going to take over the world. Yep. I'm going to be the biggest pop star in the world. But I'll be damned if she didn't mean it. We are, we are a couple of weeks into the new year. What do you hope will happen, not only in 1984, but for the rest of your professional life? What are your dreams? What's left? Mm, to rule the world. <laughs> there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Madonna. She was pure ambition. She was going pure to make ambition. herself a star. She went from Detroit. She went to New York, she hustled, she she struggled, mm-hmm. and she made the most of whatever assets she did have, and she surrounded herself, her probably biggest talent is being able to surround herself by the best songwriters, the best everything. She had a vision.
0: She had a vision, and it's such a cliche, but she had it.
1: She had she it. She had
0: star quality. She is an artist. Watch and, that
1: Lucky Star video and watch right. her s- sex eye the camera.
0: Right. Not the best, like I said, not the best dancer, not the best singer, but- put it all together and you have an artist beyond being a pop singer, beyond being a top 40 hit generator. She truly is slash was an artist. And she is, you know, you get to see the growth between the self-titled debut album and like a virgin. And it's kind of there. It's, 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 it's not a hockey stick, you know, but it's growth from Like a virgin to true blue, you know, you go, you get a little bit more,
1: true blue is a record that is not one of my favorites right. but then oh my god like a prayer. like a
0: prayer kaboom
1: and then even later in life ray light right I, th- I had written her off i didn't think you know i right. wasn't a particular fan of um i did i'm this is might be an unpopular opinion i didn't really like the erotica era yeah see now uh I'm can ga- i say it you're a gay man i'm gonna speak i'm gonna Every speak, for, I'm gonna speak for the gays loves that
0: era. <laughs> that, that's our album can i say that yes it is that's our i've album. never
1: met a gay man who doesn't love that era <laughs>
0: You know, it's the whole S and M aesthetic. It's That's the whole, fine. yeah. Uh, it was just too much at it's once. It's danger. It's it's uh, excitement. It's it, you're not supposed to do that. Which
1: I loved, but the right. Erotica album. Okay, here's the problem I have, and I don't want to sound prudish because I loved Madonna from the beginning because right. she was sexual, right? And I still love her for that. Even at age sixty one, she's owning that. Right. And be damned if people think that she should be sipping tea and knitting sweaters instead because she's a, you know, grandma age. No. Yeah. But okay, the Justify My Love video, the Erotica album. The sex book and the very not good Bodies of Evidence movie, <laughs> with the wax wannabe yeah, right. Fifty Shades of Grey before it was poor, like Five Shades of Grey or
0: Willem Dafoe.
1: Yeah, all of those came out within I'd say about a year and a half, two year period. Yeah, it just felt like it overkill. Was a, to it me. was much. It was if it had just been the erotica album on its own, fine. But it, I was kind of like, okay, I get it, Madonna, you like sex. But let me, That's let me cool, let, move let me, on.
0: let me try to. Shift your thinking a little bit. I'm open-minded. What's happening in 90,
1: 91, 92? Okay. Well, grunge. AIDS. Mm.
0: Uh, Fear of sex. Safe sex. Condoms. Fear, 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 fear.
1: And I did say grunge, but a lot of that stuff was very unsexy. Right. It was a reaction to the 80s hair metal stuff.
0: All of her friends dying. Mm. And it was like a really... It was a time of shame. It was a time of go back in the closet. It was a time of don't show sexuality. It's So it's a, it was her pushing buttons and saying, look, this is part of life. You may not like it. It may not be in the spotlight, but why not? And, you know, I have in my notes uh, right here under Madonna, LGBT rights slash AIDS crisis.
1: She was on board with the with uh, LGBTQ activism from yeah. the... Get-go. From she didn't the do jump. It, when it was trendy. Exactly. She didn't start doing it in the last couple of years. She doesn't just do it on Pride Month. So, when people
0: bring up American life and try to slag her, I'm like, you know what? Fine. You've got to give her a friggin' pass, mm-hmm. especially if you're a member of that community and you're ragging on her for being 61 in a leotard. You need to shut the fuck up.
1: Don't get me started on that as right. a woman myself. I have a lot of thoughts on that. So, right. okay. She obviously, it might be hard for Madonna to transition into middle age and older age because so much of what she did was her currency was her looks and her sexuality. Right. I get it. It's, she's not, you know, Adele, you know, where, so any, or even like someone like Lady Gaga, like Madonna always led with sex from burning up Mm -hmm. onward. So I get it. But she's damned if she do and damned if she doesn't, because if she at age 61 had quote unquote aged gracefully and, uh, you know, whatever. What it looks she'd, like, be, she'd be Celine Dion. Yeah, but no, she wouldn't be. If she, who's only like 50, by the way. I know, but I mean, I'm, uh, artistically. I'm talking about more like her looks. Okay, gotcha. If, if Madonna had, quote unquote, aged gracefully by uh, looking like more what a typical 60-something mm-hmm. woman looks like, you know, maybe put on a little bit of weight, dressing more conservative, hadn't had plastic surgery, uh, you know, not... Showing a lot of skin. Mm-hmm. People would be like, oh, what happened to Madonna? Yeah. She let herself go. She used to be hot. What a shame. But because she's done the opposite of that, right. and she's like, I'm going to flaunt my body, which, by the way, looks like the body of a 25-year-old, right. and dress how I want, still be sexual, still have Maluma, mm-hmm. you know, getting busy with me in the video. Uh, people are like, oh, how pathetic. After I- your age. I'm sick of it.
0: I'll give you an example of a parallel artist who is my all-time favorite artist, David Bowie okay nobody said boo when David Bowie colored his hair uh when he got a little refresher you know mm-hmm. sometimes he comes back you know and whoa what's going on with the face there David uh nobody says boo or to Prince or to Prince right up to the end right uh and so there is uh, I wouldn't say a, a slight element of sexism I'd say a whole heap and handful of uh, sexism going in there and it's unfair very and I do think Madame X is a good step in the right direction. I
1: love... I didn't like it at first, but yeah. I gave it a chance. That record is bonkers. Because... She, she doesn't care about doesn't on the care. radio. She doesn't
0: care. That's what I'm saying is why did it take her so long to not give a shit about being she on the radio? She does
1: not care. She doesn't sh- need to be on right. the radio. She's got more money than God. Right. She's going to sell out her tour dates no matter what. She's back to making art again. It's really... I mean, she made some political statements with God control. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of like weird spoken word stuff. Yeah. It's great, but I... Let's go back to the 80s. Well, let me talk. I have one last thing to say about the ages and things. What really hit home to me about how she just... uh, And over the years, I've noticed a sort of brittleness with Madonna Mm -hmm. in the way she carries herself in interviews and stuff that I think is very self-protective because she has spent so many years being shat upon, basically. The Brit Awards that happened, Mm. I guess it was four years ago now. So when she fell, and kudos to her, she got right back up she must have been in pain. She got right back up. And if anyone thinks she lip syncs, there was proof she didn't. Exactly. Because when she fell off the stage, her vocal stopped, right? Mm-hmm. And she kind of limped back to the stage, but she did it. It was actually very the song that she was doing actually had these lyrics like nothing's I forget what song it was, but right. it was song it was about um, living oh, for Love, or yeah, re- whatever. and it was like yeah. I got yeah. I got back up and stuff. Right. But I noticed the reaction in this wonderful social media age. Mm-hmm. So glad we didn't have that in the eighties. I know. On Twitter and stuff, people were really there was a lot of schadenfreude for it. There was a lot of people that were laughing at her.
0: There was glee. Mm-hmm. There
1: was glee. People were like laughing, literally right. laughing at her, kicking her when she's down, laughing at someone right. when she's down. But I thought to myself, okay, who are her logically within a decade or so peers? Mm-hmm. Okay, if any of the following people had had a similar misstep on TV. Tina Turner, Mm -hmm. Annie Lennox, Mm -hmm. Janet Jackson, Mm -hmm. Debbie Harry, Mm -hmm. Cyndi Lauper, Pat Benatar. It would have
0: been horror.
1: People would have had the normal human empathy empathy reaction of, is she okay? Oh no, poor Tina, poor Cher. I hope she'll be okay. Instead, people were like, ha ha, Madonna fell. People really like to hate on her. And that just, I think actually for people like us, just makes us all the more loyal.
0: Yeah, Um, but to your point, I think... There was a lot of misplaced glee. I think we love to build them up and tear them down, especially women. And, and nobody gets built up and torn down more than Madonna. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's unfair. Uh, it's really unfair.
1: But she just keeps doing whatever the hell she wants to do. I'm
0: glad she does. But you can see in the interviews she's mm-hmm. really clenched, like you said. And I think it, you know, just from a fan perspective, I look at her and I think it does affect her.
1: Well. I, Yeah, because I've always wanted to interview her. She's on my Mm -hmm. bucket list. She's the one. I mean, when people ask me, who do you want to interview? Before I even say Paul McCartney Mm -hmm. or some of the other people, you might think I say I want to interview Madonna. But I have a feeling she would be a tough nut to crack. Yeah. Um, she's kind of going into some uncharted territory. She always has. That's mm-hmm. her specialty with the fact that she's doing what she's doing at her age and not aging gracefully. That she is um, taking some artistic... She always takes artistic chances. Sometimes they don't pay off. Yeah. But you did want to go back to the 80s. Yes. I just think you can't really talk about Madonna. She's not an 80s artist to me. No. She, she had some of her biggest successes in she the she 90s. She would probably
0: bristle at the, the very uh, categorization of being an 80s artist, which fairly uh, she
1: should. I mean, some of her best work was Ray of Light. In the 2000s, Music. She did Confessions of on the dance floor Uh, yeah and you know that was 2000s she's
0: also accused unfairly of uh, bandwagoning you know and and sucking the lifeblood out of young artists no she's given people a platform and a chance who else is going to go to Bjork and say hey can you write a hit for me
1: Sure, Stuart Price uh, yeah, or right. Mirwa are pretty stoked that uh, I'm sure Maluma is happy to for work sure. with her. She's definitely and you know sometimes I guess what that would be like when she got with Britney mm-hmm. or you know did the kiss at the VMAs, but you know with Britney and we always forget Christina Aguilera got the sloppy seconds, but <laughs> you know she knows how to stay in the news. Sometimes she's yeah. in the news for reasons that you know. Mm-hmm seem um exploit like she's exploiting herself Mm -hmm. or whatever but she's not a dumb woman man she's a genius and
0: again nobody ragged on bowie for Mm -hmm. positioning himself so
1: let's talk about we some of our favorite 80s moments specifically we already mentioned um how we discovered her and we also mentioned the burning up video which like i said that's actually my favorite song you
0: know she has the sole writing credit on that song too really Mm
1: -hmm. well there you go madonna Mm -hmm. but we got to talk about I alluded to it a minute ago, but we got to talk about the VMAs. Yep. Because I do believe that for children of a certain age who are addicted to MTV and we were watching the very first Video Music Awards, MTV Video Music Awards in 1984, and she opened it and she was already a pretty sizable star. She'd had hits with Lucky Star and Borderline, but I -hmm. I don't, I think it might be a stretch to call her like an A-list pop star at that point. It was, she was like A-minus. Right. B-plus. Duran
0: were much bigger than her at that point. Yeah.
1: Um, Her opening... With Like a Virgin, which for a lot of people was the first time they heard that song. Mm -hmm. And we all, if you were there, it was your Ed Sullivan Beatles moment. It Mm -hmm. was the man walking on the moon moment for you. I so vividly remember I was watching the VMAs with my parents. Mm -hmm. My dad really enjoyed that performance. (laughs) He was like, if their TiVo had existed then, he would have rewound that. But it's funny because if you watch it now and certainly if people who aren't old enough to have seen it then watch it now, they probably think it looks so tame because the VMAs kind of made their reputation on shocking moments. Mm -hmm. Like even now I look at like Miley Cyrus and Robin Thicke and I'm like, that's not shocking, but it was shocking in 2013. Sure, But in 1984, her rolling around the floor with her underwear hanging out, Mm -hmm. uh, singing about not being a virgin, but feeling like a virgin. That right. was scandalous. It was
0: a big deal. And I've always wondered if it was, I, I, there's a recess in my mind. I don't know if it's a made up memory that i put in there, but did she have a wardrobe malfunction or something? And that's why she dropped to the floor? She
1: has said, she has said, yeah. I don't believe her, Right. that she dropped her shoe. Her shoe okay. fell off when she came down the little cake right. or the big cake, I should say. And so she, Rolled around on the floor mm. as opposed to hobbling around on right. one shoe. And she made, uh, she covered her gaff that way. Madonna doesn't, there are no accidents in Madonna's career. I think she knew what she was doing. I think it's a combination because if you look on YouTube, there's a scrambling
0: in the control booth to get her on camera because she's too low to the floor.
1: Well, she might not have told him right. people she was right. going to do exactly. that. That doesn't mean she There might had be a, a combination
0: plan. of the two things. Yeah. She might
1: have gone off script. Um, right because maybe i'm completely speculating here maybe she went off script from what had been staged because she was afraid that right. perhaps someone would tell her you can't do that that's too risqué or whatever you got to keep this family friendly mm-hmm. but i i just don't believe there's accidents in her career i don't believe no. she did that wasn't calculated and she didn't know exactly right. what she was doing cuz she's crazy like a fox yep and this is a compliment to her of course I've, as i've said earlier i've always felt she's been 100% in control of everything she does i do not feel the vmas moment was an exception to that
0: Do you remember who hosted that first VMAs?
1: Dan Aykroyd and Bette Midler. Do I win a prize?
0: (laughs) Exactly. You win my undying affection. (laughs) I'll
1: take it. Um, But that was a big deal. And that was, I mean, uh, those kind of moments don't happen these days in an era where like, we're not all watching the same thing. Right. But since anyone who had cable was watching and was under, say, age 30, was watching the VMAs at night, it kind of Mm -hmm. made her star. She went from being, you know, B plus to A plus. Oh, yeah. A list.
0: Yeah. And um, there was a tour, the Like a Virgin tour. With uh, Beastie Boys, Beastie opening, Boys up. opening, and I up. hear
1: they got booed off stage every they night. They
0: got booed off the stage in Cleveland for sure.
1: It was like Jimi Hendrix with the monkeys. Yeah,
0: and it was it. You know, and I'm I'm watching the Beasties, and I have to admit, I was doing my fair share of booing because I didn't get it yet.
1: Well, also like. Okay, you've mentioned the gay fan base that yeah. Madonna has and always had. Right, the Beastie Boys in License to Ill" or even before that era, yes. "Cookie Puss" era is not the woke Beasties we all came to know. No, they were like frat boys. They were frat boys. Frat boys. They but were... I could see how like her core LGBTQ fan base yeah. might be like these guys aren't with us. There were whatever. inflatable
0: things on the stage. Yeah. Uh, there was there was a go go dancer, a mm-hmm. female go go dancer. I would imagine yes. so. Uh, so it was not the enlightened. Uh, uh, show that you were you there. Think. I was there <gasps> in Cleveland. That's pretty Ohio. rad to say you were there. I really no. wish I had. I
1: didn't get to see Madonna until the blonde Ambition tour. As we tour.
0: do more episodes, you'll hear I was in a lot of good places. You I saw
1: were it. like, uh, what's that? Um, um, Zelig? <laughs> yeah, Zelig, or the other <laughs> yeah. one, the other movie with uh, Jeff Daniels in it. Oh, I'm blanking now. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know you The guy about. who was just everywhere. Exactly. You were everywhere. Uh, so we got to move on from 84 to 85. Uh, I, I know.
0: Can't, oh. I have one thing to say about 85. And I'm going to bring
1: it on. Bring it on. Gambler. I was going to talk about another movie. I'm sure you know which movie, but let's... Oh, so you want to talk about Vision Quest.
0: I want to talk a little bit about Vision Quest.
1: Gimp, I actually saw Vision Quest in the theater for the sole purpose of seeing Madonna. Yep. Well, I mean, she had a big song for that. That was a big that.
0: deal, though. Well, Crazy For You Crazy is for kind you of was the a forgotten big, song.
1: Crazy For You is not forgotten. It was her first, like, really huge But I mean, in terms of
0: compilations and things, yeah. because of licensing issues, it doesn't show up a lot. My friend lost
1: her virginity to Crazy For You. She was <laughs> like a virgin, and then she was not. I lost it to gambler no uh, <laughs> that would be another i know
0: Uh, but yeah, when I say forgotten, I mean, of course we remember it, but it doesn't get a lot of representation. I don't yeah, you're even right. think it's available on streaming. If That's I'm, interesting. Yeah. Because it
1: was like a top five hit for her. It was
0: a number one song. Was it? Okay. Crazy for You was number one. Yeah. Do you remember the B-side of Crazy for You was? Oh, I should, but you, I know you do. No More Words by Berlin because it was on the soundtrack. As oh, well. it wasn't a Madonna yeah, song. Yeah. Interesting.
1: That's uh, a good Berlin song. Yeah. So uh, might, be my, might be my second favorite yeah. Berlin song.
0: Uh, after Masquerade, right?
1: Uh, actually, yes. (laughs) Okay. I'm not, you were actually right. You win my undying. I got you. We Uh,
0: won and we both won. But Gambler, it was, okay, again, Got to go on YouTube and find the video because it. it's every cheesy '80s effect over the actual film footage. It's like you know the the color effects where they pause it and everything. And I
1: think she's wearing the same outfit from Lucky Star. It's like uh, did they not have a wardrobe budget? No, she's got the same mesh top, same
0: mesh black, and the, the, the black belts. tie and the hair and yeah. But I just want to get. I just wanted us to talk about Gambler for like thirty seconds.
1: Well, we did more than thirty seconds, Good. but that's fine because I think it's worth talking about even the songs that we forget about with her. Right, the songs that were. Her lesser hits, or her her less uh, the things that are on the compilations, the, right. the songs she's less likely to dig out when she goes on tour, are still jams. Causing a commotion. Yep, there you go. Look. You everything from a, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to talk too much about the Who's Got Girl movie because that yeah. wasn't one of her greatest moments. Spotlight.
0: From You Can Dance.
1: Spotlight. Wow, yeah. you're bringing out the deep
0: cuts. I'm just saying, you know, if you can pull out deep cuts like that and remember them 30, 35 years later and they weren't even big hits, that's just the strength of, of her catalog. I think it really doesn't get the respect it deserves. Absolutely. Well, we're respecting her. Yeah, for sure.
1: Respect yourself. <laughs> we're expressing ourselves and respecting ourselves. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about more Madonna soon.
0: Prince's iconic album 1999 is now available in super deluxe, CD, vinyl, digital download, and streaming editions. The Super Deluxe Edition is the deepest dive yet into Prince's Vault, and it features 35 tracks that have been previously unreleased, including 24 studio recordings, a complete concert from the 1990 tour recorded at the Masonic Hall in Detroit, and the CD and vinyl sets also feature a previously unreleased DVD concert performance recorded live at the Summit in Houston. A full-color booklet features rare photos and new liner notes written by Guns N' Roses Duff McKagan, Rolling Stone critic David Frick, Minneapolis writer and broadcaster Andrea Swenson, and Prince scholar Dwayne Tudal. The newly remastered Super Deluxe Edition of Prince's 1999 is available now wherever you get music. back and talking more madonna on totally 80s
1: okay so let's talk about the other movie from 85 that people might remember more okay desperately seeking susan
0: you know again uh, star making turn
1: it was the role she was born to play because she was basically playing herself you know that's that's always the line she's not the greatest actress but when she gets the right part right you know not shanghai surprise right
0: exactly her body of evidence wasn't
1: shanghai surprise (laughs) produced by george harrison
0: I, I do believe involved. you're right I, or, or his film company you know he the, was involved yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, desperately seeking Susan. I mean, I can't think about her without seeing her dry her armpits in the uh, hand dryer in the bathroom.
1: Well, with, with I don't mean this is you know, sometimes people think it's bad to talk about artist fashion when talking about their their influence or their career because that seems like a, um, a superficial thing to dwell on. But I don't think, if you're talking about really any artist of the MTV mm-hmm. era, but certainly not Madonna, you have to talk about the fashion. Yeah. And when I talk about how much she impressed upon me, I mean, you probably remember the fashion, like madonna be fashion contest that happened at I think Macy's with like Andy Warhol Uh, judging everyone dressed like her
0: and not only there every high school Mm -hmm. in in America oh
1: I got photos of me I wasn't in high school yet but you got photos of me uh, sneaking out of the house wearing like a Mm -hmm. I'm wearing a gigantic bow on my head in like my (laughs) 6th grade yearbook picture it's a bow it like doesn't even it's outside the frame of the shot
0: (laughs) it's the Whitney Houston I want to dance with somebody bow it's actually (laughs)
1: exactly that I Have like the triangle haircut but everything Madonna did I want to um, emulate like I remember very specifically seeing the board borderline video Mm -hmm. and I went into my mother's makeup case and she had some kind of yellow makeup probably like um a foundation stick of some kind and I put it on my lips because Madonna in the scene where she's outside the pool hall trying to get back with her old boyfriend is wearing yellow lipstick. Yep. Wanted the Ray ban glasses, certainly the excessive jewelry, mm-hmm. the socks with the, the neon socks with the pumps. Mm-hmm. Everything she wore I wanted to wear. Obviously I was a little too young that getting into sort of the underwear look was right. not gonna fly, but I you know, I pushed it with the bows and all the jewelry. I loved what she wore so much. But I've to this day, we're talking two thousand nineteen if there was any person, fictional or real, mm-hmm. whose closet I could raid, whose entire wardrobe I could have, it would be Susan Thomas. Oh, that yeah, is Susan. Right, right. Everything—the studded boots, mm-hmm. the round suitcase with the skulls, right—the t- the torn up T-shirt over mm-hmm. the bra, where those—the scene you're talking about, where she dries her armpits. Everything, everything. She looked like. Looked like she got out of the trash,
0: the pyramid jacket. Absolutely. Well,
1: that's mm-hmm. going to be a whole other okay. That. Got it. But everything she had looked like she rummaged it out of Goodwill. Mm-hmm cut it up with some pinking shears while on this New York subway Mm -hmm. and turned it into the coolest thing you've ever seen. She was literally wearing rags and she was just the most badass fashion person ever. I
0: wonder who the wardrobe person was on that movie.
1: I don't know about the movie, but her original stylist, who was her stylist for the first two albums, was a woman named Maripol. She's a fashion designer, but she's also an artist. She used to work at, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the place, Fiorelli. Mm. And she is the one that I've interviewed Mariposa. Okay. And she is the one that met Madonna when she was hanging out in the Dance at Terry Clubs and told her, like, one time she cast her to, like, dance with Fab Five Freddy at something. Wow. And she said, take off your shirt. Go dance out state on stage in your bra because Madonna was wearing like um, I guess she could see some of Madonna's bra and it was like a colored lace bra or some okay. kind of bra that looked cool mm-hmm. and she's like take off your shirt Madonna did it and she styled her for Like a Virgin wow. uh, the album cover she actually told me it was interesting is the original idea that she taught people out of was the Like a Virgin album cover is supposed to look like a virgin sacrifice it was going to look more gothic oh wow kind of like how Madonna sort looked in the Frozen video yeah but it was going to be more black and more kind of satanic looking like 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 a virgin sacrifice. And, yeah. and she was like, no, put her in a wedding dress. So Madonna did have some help mm-hmm. um, with her look, but she definitely owned it. But let, yeah, let's talk about the jacket. I own a jacket of that. No. I spent so long, I just bought it like two years ago on wow. Etsy. I found someone on Etsy who made the jackets. So here's the thing about the jacket I grew up in an era, as did you, where I sort of just believed in the transformative power of a jacket. Oh, yeah. I think this dates back to the pink ladies on Greece. Fonzie.
0: I had a trench coat that gave me superpowers.
1: Was that, who was that uh,
0: uh, It was just, a reference uh, just, to? Just uh, Spectre Gadget? Any Manchester band <laughs> okay, yeah. that, you know, a black mm-hmm. trench coat with buttons all over it. Yep, yep I'm just down.
1: The idea you put a jacket on and somehow it, yeah, it gives you this, this superpower of cool. Armor. And yeah, and the jacket in Desperately Seeking Susan, besides looking really cool, it's actually a plot point in the movie. It's mm-hmm. the jacket that turns Roseanne Arquette, Roberta, into the secondary Susan it sends her on this whole new adventure because she gets mistaken for Susan I don't want to spoil it for anyone if you haven't seen the movie but if (laughs) you haven't seen the movie you shouldn't be listening to this podcast
0: it's been 35 years (laughs) get on on that will you if you're listening (laughs) to the
1: Totally 80s podcast my guess is you've probably seen Desperately Seeking Susan and you can follow along with this plot but go watch it anyway because it's so good I mean Madonna could put on a pair of like men's underwear like Mm -hmm. boxer shorts uh, dad bod boxer shorts and turn it into fashion cinch it with a belt so i really wanted this jacket and i finally found it and it looks exactly like it wow when i wear it people freak out but when i interviewed rosanna arquette i wore it to the interview oh shit and she took a photo of me in it oh good we actually no i I had it like in the back sitting on a chair yeah because i wasn't sure how she would go with that and she said is that a desperately seeking susan jacket (laughs) over there on the chair and I said, yeah, You're is. You're so
0: sly. I just happen to have it draped over here. No, I had it
1: on the <laughs> back of my chair in a corner. And I thought, you know, if I feel like it's a moment where we're having, you know, a yeah. connection and we're going down that route and I'm feeling like if I take this out, she won't be offended or right. think I'm totally weird, which I am. Um, I'm going to bring it out, But she saw it. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's kind of lame. But, you know, can we talk about Desperately and Susan? The movie meant so much to me. So we started talking about it. And then afterwards I said, I said, Do you want to get a photo again? She goes, put on the jacket. Oh, awesome. And we recreated the poster. It's on Mm -hmm. my Instagram, of course. It was such a it was such a moment. Are
0: you a RuPaul's drag race fan? Oh my god. Do you know who else has that jacket and uses it in her show?
1: Oh, wait, let me guess. Sonique?
0: Love Connie.
1: Really? Yes. Okay.
0: She even has a uh, whole show about her cat missing and it's based on desperately seeking Susan.
1: We could talk for a couple did, of hours so. if you want to go down the um RuPaul's. <laughs> you don't Did you not know how a super fan I am?
0: No, I do know.
1: Well, speaking of Madonna, they yes. had the remember the Madonna fashion show on RuPaul's yeah. Riders yeah. where I, everyone wore, everyone, wore kimono. everyone had
0: the kimonos. Kimchi,
1: I understood. Yeah, no one it, else
0: needed to. Then they did it again the next season. They needed to and didn't uh, wasn't there another uh, outfit that was uh, repeated? I believe someone repeated
1: her Met Gala yes, punk look, which exactly. is an amazing look, right. and probably an easier look to recreate. That's why. Right. They, but the person who got eliminated on RuPaul's Drag Race when they did the first Madonna fashion show was Acid Betty, yes. who absolutely should have not because she, she recreated did the, the, the
0: birds from Bedtime Story. Yeah, right? She yeah. did
1: like hydraulic birds right. suspended in space hatching from her chest and yep. she went home it was but amazing to go back to just Madonna's fashion the yeah. fact that like there's so many looks mm-hmm. that they could do two Madonna themed challenges on RuPaul's Drag Race and and it was all from different eras it was yep. bedtime stories it was Met Ball 2017 no one actually did the desperately seeking Susan 80s era no one put a lace bow on there maybe it's an age thing
0: yeah uh, Peppermint did Like a Virgin right yeah some, some a couple people did wedding dresses wedding dresses but yeah. that's an easy thing to yeah, do Michelle for, Visage yeah. is like
1: me, like Madonna's is yeah. number one, right. worships Madonna. And I know Michelle Visage really wants Madonna to be a judge on oh, Drag Race. And I don't amazing. know why that, I mean, I know Madonna is so huge, but I feel like Madonna would be game for it. She's in Spain. She's, she's <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race Spain. <laughs> she's, she's busy. There's a UK version of it now. And there's yeah. also a Thai version. Surely I mean, yeah, she'll be in she some, she's in, she's in Portugal now, actually. Is where
0: I got to go back to the borderline video for one second. Please. Because <laughs> there's one thing that's bugged me ever since 1983. Really? The photographer.
1: Mm-hmm. The fashion guy who discovers her on the street and you know, like ruins his, or slash
0: improves her life. Right. Is it are his are his uh, true desires nefarious or not? We don't know. He never actually goes there. Right, you know, but it's like you know, what is he to her? We're supposed to believe that he's in the wrong. Because he gets angry because she spray paints his car.
1: Yeah, I would actually, like, that's grounds for dismissal. <laughs> right. Also, I do want to say that her boyfriend, while incredibly hot in the movie, is kind of a dick. because. Yeah. In the, I said movie, because mm-hmm. to her, I'm with you. to me, the videos are little mini movies. And it did have a plot. But, yeah, there is no real sign that there's total foul play. Like, basically, yeah. the plot is that a, a photographer, fashion photographer, discovers her on the street, bring, brings her into his world turns her into a model, puts her on the cover of a magazine and her boyfriend's not cool with it because that means she's like not spending yeah. a lot of time with him, making out on the roof. Yeah. And he's the bad guy, the the photographer. The photographer's the bad guy <laughs> as opposed to the boyfriend who's trying to hold her back. Right. Because I imagine in Madonna's real life, she probably had men who held her back who were yeah. like, I'm mad that you're getting famous or I'm mad that you're the one that's hogging the spotlight or whatever. Right. So yeah, I agree with you. She spray painted my Porsche. I do want to talk about moving <laughs> on to 86 or so. Do you remember, speaking of videos and speaking of the true blue era, this is how big Madonna was in 86.
0: I know where you're going. Can I guess? You can guess. The film your own true blue video I contest. I my own video. I've interviewed
1: the guy who directed that, who won. Angel Gracia. Yeah. Knew, being but, like a real director.
0: And can we talk that his video is better than the quote unquote official music video? With Debbie Mazar? Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, the, the official you know, video is not. It's and cute. The, the soda jerk kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I wasn't
1: really into that aesthetic Madonna yeah. had where she was like the whole who's that girl to blue right. era where she was kind of doing the maryland thing a little too not a fan of the short hair yeah i mean you should i'll do i like you know i like that she physically like i remember at that time when true blue came out or Mm -hmm. when papa don't preach specifically came out people were making a big deal about how she seemed more in shape than she had before you know she obviously had been hitting the gym and from that point on she never had a ounce of baby fat on her and but i wasn't a fan of that look but the make okay this is how big madonna was in 86 there was a contest called make my video to make a video for the title song of True Blue. There were a whole bunch of entries, and most of the entries, the one that won, Angel Gracia, he only spent $600, mm-hmm. but he really had a vision, and he used every res- resource he had. He had someone lend him a vintage car. He got the local high school to let him film there for free. He cast actor friends. Wow. And this is a fun thing, because I- I'll tell you this. So he sent his VHS tape in, or whatever tape type of tape, Via FedEx, and it got returned to him. Oh, because apparently there had been too many entries. Oh, they had to cap it at a certain number of entries because there was just not enough hours gonna view and all. manpower to yeah. watch them all. So he, he there was like a de- one day of deadline left, and he was like, "F, F this! I spent six hundred dollars, and I spent hours of time doing this. I want to be in, at least be seen." Mm-hmm. He convinced his father, he was nineteen at the time, to lend him the money to buy an overnight ticket. He lived in Florida. I don't know how much that cost back then, but he flew a red eye, was at MTV when it opened. He'd been drinking coffee because he got to MTV, he got to New York, like to wherever MTV was, Times Square area, whatever, at like 5 a.m. or so, oh. He opened it up and he was like sweating and over caffeinated <laughs> because he'd been out on the streets, f- up all night. And he like went up to the receptionist and was like, this has to, I don't know why it's got returned to me. It got returned to me. He found out later why, but- You know, there was no note or explanation. Mm. I got it in by the deadline. I fulfilled all the rules. This has to be in. And she was kind of scared, like, okay, you seem like a crazy person. But she called someone and was like, and that person came down and took the tape and said, fine, okay, leave us alone. We'll just, you know, we'll take the tape. And he ended up winning, which shows you there's some ambition right there. But MTV was so behind Madonna at that time and she was so unstoppable that there was a day, I know I didn't hallucinate this, Sean, for 24 hours they, they showed nothing but every these every single entry. It didn't matter if it was like little girls yep. from in their ballet class, tutus, singing you, in the hairbrushes. You did not imagine that. There was one person who, de- it was actually a sweet sentiment, dedicated it to their dog. Mm-hmm. It was all just like amateur camcorder footage of them running around with their dog because yep. they were true blue to Rover, whoever it was. Mm-hmm. There was like... A lot is just people like lip syncing. Mm-hmm. Like very few people had the creative, lots of lots vision of, of Angel. Three or
0: four besties in high school in front of a camera doing a line dance to True Blue. Exactly. Lots, no. lots of that.
1: No question that Angel's, Gracia, Angel Gracias was the only one that really had the right. professional thing. You know, he ended up having a career that way. Wow. He, um, because him and his, um, I forget the name of his partner, but his older partner, who sort of was had more of a production role, hmm. they proved that they could make a pretty cheap video that was good, or at least you know decent. And so I believe it was Geffen, but some major label hired them wow. to basically make videos for them for the kind of their lower tier or newer artists where they had some, where they were like okay you made a pretty good video for $600 how much can you make if we give you $10,000 or $5,000 i know they did a video for tim scott
0: wow swear
1: and i don't know if it was swear oh, but i okay. know if you google this there's yeah. like an old la times article okay. about this or maybe florida times or whatever but he ended up having a A career. And he still, he ended up working with Ridley Scott on some stuff. And then I, this is all from an interview I did. And then he did actually see, he said he was at some Oscar party and Madonna was there. Madonna was there with, uh, it was around the time she was married. He he said she was with Guy Ritchie. So this was a little while ago. And he was like, should I go talk to her? Like I'm kind of, (laughs) I don't want to seem like this weirdo, but I kind of feel like I should go up to her and say like, thank you for starting my career. So he went up to her and was like, I'm the one who directed your make my video contest winner video. And she was like, oh, hey, you know, like. They didn't really talk, but he just said, I want to thank you for starting my career. But, you know, she could have been like, "Ugh, I hate that. Yeah. (laughs) So
0: at least she was gracious.
1: He said she was gracious. They didn't really have a conversation. She probably was like, I've done Uh so much stuff in my career. This is like the smallest thing on my Wikipedia page. The best
0: thing I remember about that contest is the commercial with Madonna. And she's like, hey, (laughs) hey, you. Yeah, you. I want you to make my video. I mean, she's yeah, like super she's New Yorkie and proudy uh,
1: <laughs> for
0: everyone who's ever watched a video and said, "I can do better."
1: I can do better. I can do better. Come on, I dare you. Come on! He actually said uh, when they premiered the video, they flew him and his partner out to meet Madonna and premiere the video live on MTV and he said she acted like that. She was kind of like bratty and rude to him. Oh, but, that's funny. But well, he, he wasn't a fan of her music. He was like a hard rock guy, but he really respected her work ethic. Wow. And he had the same ethic, you know, whatever it takes to get mm. that video on MTV, to get it into the right hands. Wow. You know, that's what we can all learn from her, whether you like her music or not.
0: She was on a streak and because if everybody, the single, was her first top 40 hit, it got to number 16. Right? Not bad. Every, I actually didn't realize
1: it got that high. It
0: got that high. Every single, every single hit the top 10 after that until 1989 when Oh Father only got to number 20. Oh Father's a great song. Oh Father's a great song, but it's such a bummer. Yeah, it's well, it's know? not a,
1: it's a pretty heavy song, yeah. and the, ver- the video for it was very heavy, The video's heavy too. amazing. She's, like, visiting her mother's yeah, grave, which yeah. is a big part of her narrative. Right. She got real, like, a little more introspective with... With the album "Like a Prayer," which is mm-hmm. one of her best albums, she also was real introspective on on "Ray of Light," which yeah. I think is even people I know who did never like Madonna love that album. Yeah, yeah. What do you think was her last great album? Her last great album. Uh, oh boy. Cuz I think she had a pretty good long run. I'm, I'm not saying good record or a couple good singles. Her last really great record, album start to finish. I'm a fan of Confessions on a Dance Floor. I was going to say the same thing. You
0: know, I, it may be the company line, but it is a good album and I particularly like if I'm not misremembering this, the Pet Shop Boys remix of Sorry.
1: Oh, I didn't know There's that.
0: There's a Pet Shop Boys remix of Sorry. She
1: definitely, at that time, I feel, you were talking about how like some people think she's jumping on a bandwagon, yeah. but other people like myself and yourself will see it more as her surrounding herself with the right talent. talent or, or, and
0: giving people a break.
1: Okay. She opened the Grammys that year with Gorillaz. Yeah. I was there, and I will tell you, it looked just like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't look like a special effect. I know it was done with holograms. It mm-hmm. looked real. I was in the audience. Everyone was gasping. Yeah. She also had this kind of cool... Like seventies, like or maybe actually late early eighties when everybody was dressing in leotards, whether they were into fitness <laughs> yeah, or not, she yeah. had that look. She had the ABBA sample, yeah. And then the, the only time they've ever allowed that. Well, it's Madonna. You don't mm-hmm. say no to Madonna. Right. And then I don't know if people remember this, but she played for that album when she was sort of uh, it, it was sort of marketed as being a return to all the roots we're talking about her mm-hmm. early like club days, her danceateria days. Yep, she played Coachella and she did not play the main stage. She played the dance, dance tent. tent for sure. It was the biggest clusterfuck part of my French <laughs> in the history of Coachella. There were more, it felt like there were more people to see her on the dance tent <laughs> than were to see Beyonce at Coachella. Oh my God. The entire, Well, I don't know if you know this, but with the exception of one stage where the poor band editors had to play oh, competing, I, I guess there, that was decent counter programming. Maybe sure. there were people who wanted to see editors who aren't poor into editors. Madonna, but everyone likes Madonna. Right. Um, Every other stage was black, uh, dark, Wow. including the two main, the two big main stages. So like, there wasn't really. You had three choices: sit on the ground and watch nothing, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, hit up the 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 beer tent, yep, see Madonna at the dance tent, or see others. I would say probably ninety eight percent of the people at Coachella went with the Madonna option. Right there were people standing on top of the porta potties wow to see her i actually got a decent view of her i don't know how mm. it was complete cr- i mean only madonna maybe beyonce could command that cuz she didn't mm. she wanted to play the dance dance. she wanted to do a proper dance show and she did some of her early stuff i do believe she did holiday mm-hmm. but it was just I was like, this is a woman. At that time, what year was that? Maybe
0: 2000?
1: 2009, right? I don't think it was. I think it was maybe 2005. Well, yeah, it was 2005 yeah. or 2006. Okay. Yeah,
0: you're right, because Hard Candy was after that. But
1: yeah. we're talking more than 20 years into her career. Oh, yeah. And actually, I like the Hard Candy record, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Because yeah, there's good stuff on it. But I, the last, you said, from front to back. Front to back. It's got to be confessed.
1: And I do. I know we're talking about 80s, but when it mm-hmm. comes to Madonna, I don't think you can Ageless. really stick, stick with one decade. I will go so far as to say... She, maybe not the best, but she gave one of the best Super Bowl performances of all time. Yeah. I Haters, back off. Because a lot of people did not like it. But this mm. is a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. This ain't the hotel cafe. Right. This isn't, you know, when you do the Super Bowl, you need to have spectacle. Spectacle's the word. She had, besides having the greatest hits, she had Nicki Minaj and M.I.A. flipping the bird. Mm-hmm. I think Madonna was probably pissed about that because it took a little attention off her. Right. She had LMFAO. Mm-hmm. She had CeeLo. She had... Like Egyptian type type rope walkers, it was cool. she threw everything and ten kitchen sinks into it because right. she's Madonna and she can do that. Right. It was pure entertainment. Yeah. She knows how to entertain. I cannot wait until her Madame X tour comes to LA. I will. I'm going to at least two of the dates. Yeah,
0: it's going to be great. And, yeah. uh you know, uh, you can't have a totally '80s podcast without devoting one episode, maybe several, to Madonna.
1: So we'll end this by saying, "What is name your top three Madonna songs." <sighs>
0: definitely burning up me too I, I gotta throw that in there um I really I love the early early stuff so I'm gonna heavily weigh it towards there I think uh Angel is an overlooked wow, single wow you
1: really like to go with the mm-hmm. um again a, a, yeah. a hit at the time but not an obvious choice now
0: you know why there was no music video
1: mhm It's all about yeah. MTV then yeah <laughs>
0: And I I love dress you up just because I like doing the uh, the dance coming down the stairs, for friends and family.
1: <laughs> I do want to say because we were talking about like all the LGBTQ stuff. Yeah. If you are familiar with Laura Jane Grace from Against Me, of course, her book, which is politically incorrectly called tranny, her memoir, but it, that's the name of it. Right. She it's all about most of it is obviously about the fact that she is trans mm-hmm. and her journey towards that. And she says the first memory she ever had uh, as a boy of thinking. I think, I'm a, I think I'm a woman or I think I'm female. I think I'm in the wrong body mm-hmm. was when she saw Madonna on MTV. She saw Madonna dressed up in the lace and stuff and she was like, it hit something in her and she like went upstairs and like put on tights or something.
0: You know, that's you why I, I, I bristle and I get really defensive for her, mm-hmm. uh, for Madonna, mm-hmm. because she's done so much. She uh, has... Weathered so much. I hate to sound like a gushing typical fanboy, but she—you're
1: you're very uh, much preaching to the well, like yeah, a you know, like a prayer choir. You know, people right
0: now. like she's in the rock hall. She shouldn't be in the rock oh, hall. Come, God. come on, guys. All
1: right. Well, let me go back to what I was—I was, I was going to do my top th- yeah, uh, three. Go for it, please. Ray of Light, mm-hmm. which is a later song, but a great song. Um, then Into the Groove, mm-hmm. Jam from Desperately Seeking Susan, and my number one is Burning Up for all the reasons we talked about. But anyone who says she doesn't belong in the rock hall—well, first of all, rock. It's not a rock hall anymore. It's a popular music hall, and we also have Janet Jackson. We have Donna Summer, right. and we have people sheik. like that, Chic, or not Chic, now oh, Roger. Not Roger, sorry. Yep. Which is a sticking mm-hmm. point with him. But anyway, yep. uh, burning up at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was performed by Iggy and the Stooges, and it was probably the coolest thing that ever happened there. Oh,
0: Yeah, and it ties it all back together. Her Detroit, Detroit. roots, her punk roots. I mean, it, it, it's a thesis statement.
1: So if you got all the way to the end of this podcast, haters, uh, we hope we, <laughs> we hope we changed your mind about how awesome Madonna is. She is my queen forever. She is Madam X. Eh, she's the material girl. She's the ethereal girl. So thank you for listening. I'm Lindsay Parker from SiriusXM and Yahoo Entertainment. I was here with the other John Hughes. And I want to make sure all of you, if you enjoyed this podcast, follow us at Totally80s on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. Make sure you bookmark WeAreTotally80s.com for tons of news stories and content about your favorite decade, the 80s. And if you enjoy this podcast and you're a Madonna fan, a Madonna bee, please chime in and tell us what your favorite Madonna moments and songs were. Thanks for listening. This was Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Totally 80s. And please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Until our next episode, catch you on the flip side.